When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. By no one's demand but our own and from our home office here in sunny, scenic, quarantined Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Two Rivers Ford. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Many great conversations ahead with you, for you, to you. I don't know what's going on to be completely honest with you. This COVID crisis that has befallen the Tennessee Titans has me all kinds of out of sorts. Now, we know at the time that this podcast is being recorded at 9.44 p.m. Wednesday evening that the Tennessee Titans are scheduled to play on Monday Night Football during the day at 4 p.m. against the Pittsburgh Steelers at Nissan Stadium. This was confirmed by Andrew Marchand of the New York Post. This is a situation that is developing quickly and rapidly and changing uh, at any given moment. But at this point, that's the most concrete information that we have. So that being said, we have a great conversation with Jonathan Hutton of the Midday 180 and Titans Radio, our friend Michael Kist, the great film analyst from SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We have all of that ahead for you on today's 615 sessions. But before we get to the conversations, got to tell you about our friends at Two Rivers Ford. What you want from an automotive buying experience is you want to know that you can trust the people that you're working with. They have been at Two Rivers Ford in business for almost 40 years, and that longevity counts when you're trying to make a big purchase like a car. They're locally owned, and right now, more than ever, it's important to support local businesses. That also means that they care and give back to the local community and support our local teams here in Middle Tennessee. The non-commissioned sales staff will hook you up and there will be no pressure, literally no pressure, involved in the car buying process. Check them out at tworiversford.com or head out to Mount Juliet just off Belinda Parkway east of BNA at Two Rivers Ford. Powered by Ford, driven by people. Let's get to Hutton and Kist. Back here, 615 Sessions Podcast, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports, Nashville.com. We got a couple of studs on the GetBeast.com Zoom line. A recurring guest, two recurring guests, uh, just via a different medium this time. In the case of our friend Michael Kist, we have Jonathan Hutton of the Midday 180, Titans Radio, 104.5 The Zone, and Michael Kist, who covers the NFL. You know he does because it's in his Twitter handle, at <laughs> Michael Kist, NFL of SB Nation. Uh, the NFL show and Bleeding Green Radio. Boys, what's up? Just hanging out, man. I, you know, I need at Michael Kist to delete their account. They did that whole wipe of inactive accounts and bots and whatnot. At Michael Kist has not tweeted in four. I'm, I'm heavily invested in this. They need to get this guy gone because he's, he's making me look bad. <laughs> what's up, me. guys? Good to see you. It's good to be seen. And, you know, I didn't I honestly wasn't sure because we tried to We tried to get a different cast of characters to guest co-host the show and carry me, but I honestly didn't know how I felt about this pairing because this is this is one of my greater points of shame that I heard Michael Kist on the Midday 180 as their draft analyst, their draft analyst winner, and I tried to steal him. <laughs> I tried to steal. You're very smart to do so, but from the mid. No, I, it's it's a terrible it's terrible uh, it's terrible form on my part. But it, in in fairness, in 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 my only defense because it's the only one that I have. I was working at a different radio station. I was trying to figure out how to be good at radio, and turns out I was just trying to do the midday 180. So I did not know how this would go for me personally, given that I'm now in an awkward situation. You know how this works, though, Buck? 
Michael, how much does the midday one eighty pay you? No, not a thing that I know of. <laughs> exactly. So he's available. That's, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just fine. <laughs> no, I uh, we got a, we got a ton of stuff to talk about today. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike hates Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans, so we'll talk about that. <laughs> that will set that up. Uh, we have Clowney and Simmons conversations to get to, and I have Jonathan Joseph Smoke. Also, Titan Steelers has been postponed to either Monday or Tuesday yeah. as, uh, as we go down. Kaharski is texting me, is this happening? Because he passed he, – that text just came up on my laptop screen as we record this – he passed on the Tuesday pod, but thought that many was invited to the Thursday pod. So now I'm debating whether or not to even allow the. Chief. Let him in. Let should, him in. Should we? Okay. Well, yeah. I'll, let let me set you guys up, and then I'll and then I'll uh, then I'll go get him. This this. So, scene. Buck, real quick, as you set this up. So I knew that Michael was coming on based on your email this morning to me. Yes. And which I'm pumped about. I, I love whenever Kiss is on the show. Uh, but right before we ended midday 180, which was about 15 minutes ago. Paul asked me, he goes, hey, are you going on Buck's podcast? And I said, yes, I am. He goes, oh, me too. So, and no, I, we no, just no. left it at that. I was like, oh, something happened to Michael Kist and Paul's filling in for him. No, 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 no. Paul, Paul is, Paul is now, because he was, he, 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 such, so petty, this man. And we will, we will, we will talk about this with him in a second. But I asked him after he and I got the Shane Bowen thing about him not traveling with the team. And then we right. worked together on that. I texted him and Rex wrote, I'm like, hey, you want to do the pot? Rex wrote passed, and Paul just said, pass. Just said pass. I said, okay. <laughs> so we won't, we won't worry about the Chief this week. That's all right. He's got bigger things to do. I don't mind. I, you know, no, like, like, like kissed in the midday 180. I don't pay any of you guys. So I'm grateful for anybody that's willing to show up. Uh, but so now this man thinks he's just got an open invitation anytime he wants to come on the podcast. So we will set this up this way as I go to as I go to retrieve him from the depths of the internet. The game between the Steelers and the Titans at this point has been postponed. Hutton, I know you guys have been talking about this for two days now on midday. I guess what what do you make of the what do you make of the the fairness of this situation for a team that won't be allowed in their practice facility at minimum? according to Diana Rossini, until Saturday and expected to play a game at some point this week. I mean, it's not, it's not fair, uh, but the season is going to set up circumstances that will not be fair for teams. Uh, I, I appreciate the fact that the NFL is saying they may not be back in their facility at best until Saturday. Maybe we see them back in the facility earlier. I don't know. But at least they get – 24 to 48 hours at their facility prior to kickoff, even though the Steelers are going to have a full week of practice. Uh, it's just unfortunate that the, the Titans are faced with this. The Vikings are faced with this as well as they prepare for the Houston Texans. And uh, my thought is it, it, it's going to happen. And unfortunately for the Titans, it happened to them first. And they're the guinea pigs of sorts as we debate whether or not they should play in week four. Uh, I, I think they're they're making the right call by saying, at at best case scenario, we're looking at a Monday or Tuesday night game with a quick turnaround for Week Five. I I would be much more up in arms over a decision to kick off Sunday at noon, which they're not going to do. Mike, I guess from from a league wide perspective, because you you cover all of these teams in some form or fashion. Obviously, you've got a big focus on the Eagles, but you're breaking down everybody across the league. Like, how do, you, how do you look at this from, from an outsider's view where this is the first team, the, between the Vikings and the Titans, this is the fir- these are the first two teams to have to go through the COVID-19 hurdles legitimately in a way that's shutting down NFL facilities? I mean, the way you look at it, like, what, what's, what's the bigger evil? Are you going to have one team prepping as if it were a Thursday game while another team is prepping like it's a Sunday game? Or do you move their bye weeks around? But there are only so many bye weeks in an NFL season. Last I checked, there was one per team. <laughs> so unless you want to move the Super Bowl back, which has a whole different type of ripple effect on everything else, I think the smart play is having the short notice. I agree with Hutton. Don't make them play on Sunday. That's too, too much of a, uh, of a tactical advantage for the opposing team. Monday, Tuesday works for me. But the Titans are still at a disadvantage. But at the same time, again, 
I mean, I think we know that the NFL is just going to power through these things and teams are going to have to adapt and adjust and make everything they can out of their, you know, their install, their Zoom sessions during the week and, and you know, really nail those walkthrough, walkthroughs on Saturday and Sunday. And Buck, think about it just from the, the competitive standpoint of what the Titans will face on on Monday or Tuesday with, with the Steelers pass rush. May or may not have Taylor Lewan available you would want some reps on the practice field with Ty Sambrello at left tackle. Uh-huh. Bo Brinkley may not be available because he's on the COVID-19 list. He's the long snapper, and they're just now getting their timing down and they're getting in rhythm in the kicking game with Goskowski and with Brett Kern, and now potentially you have either a new long snapper or looking at Ben Jones as the emergency snapper in a situation like that. You want some reps to have uh, – you need more than just Zoom film. Uh, uh, virtually to prepare for that. Those are the instances that I think are important here within a two-day period where they could actually get out and do something. Speaking of Zoom film, hello, Paul. Welcome to the show. We're We're in the middle of things. Michael Kiss, Paul Kaharski, Jonathan Hutton here with us on the 615 Sessions. Why do your eyes look so blurry? What's wrong with you? You're in the middle of things. We're recording the podcast. We're rolling, baby. <laughs> when you told me 1.15, I had no email from you. And when then you I get texted me pass, I thought you were out this week. I thought that would apply to the week at all. We're having this out on air. This is, this is a live recording. Yeah, what happened, Paul? Your give thought? Me, give me some heat. What do you got? I told you I was out yesterday. I thought I, thought I was booked for today. I can leave. I'll, hap- I'll happily leave. We said four people was too much. <laughs> so, so, who, so who are you voting off too much? Island? You're voting your vote yourself I'll off? I'll vote myself off the island. <laughs> Paul, it, we, we, you missed the very start of this where, we, where Buck w- was trying to steal Michael Kist uh, for his own radio show back Nonsense. in the day. And he said, ah, I was becoming too much like Midday 180. And now look at us. It's me, you, and Kist on with Buck Rising. It's, it's secretly and a Buck fetish. Buck said he was becoming too much like mid- Midday 180? No. Here's, here's how this went down. <laughs> it's what he should aspire to. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest ratings. Huge ratings, Chief. Huge ratings. Uh, we don't talk like Trump, Chief. Uh, well, listen, we were talking about the lesser of two evils already on the podcast, and after that debate, I don't know what the hell's going on. But anyway, not to distract from bigger and more important things. What I was saying to Hutton is I said that I was putting myself in an awkward position with today's guest lineup because Michael Kist, the genesis of he and I's internet relationship, (laughs) is I heard him when I first started working in Nashville on the Midday 180. And then I read his Twitter feed and he was motherfucking everybody around. And I said, this is my guy. This is who I want to talk to about football on a regular basis. I'm going to try and steal him or at least have him on my radio show, even though he does the Midday 180. And then I left the radio station. And now we find ourselves here amidst this awkward situation. What happened? So you wrote down his name, most of our advertisers' names, and you went down (laughs) Listen, you call the people that advertise, Chief. That's how it goes. <laughs> you do a great job at that, too, by the way. Oh, Listen, great. Uh, shout Follow out. Them. It works. Undercut. Get your deals. Shout out to, uh, to the A to Z sports. Uh, to the A to Z sports. Uh, Model. What, what do you want to call Whatever it is, it Model. works. It's, uh, it's paying my mortgage. Regardless, Chief, you want to hang out or no? Uh, no, I got things to do. Nice right, to see you, boys. Here. Kiss. Good job. <laughs> Keep it up. And gotcha, uh, I'll be back to provide Buck with uh, free, never-ending content another day. Thank you for that. Thank you for your service. <laughs> I love you all. Hutton, uh, carry the banner well, as you always do. See you. Don't lock the box. Do lock the lock. See you, Paul. What an asshole. <laughs> right on brand. Right on brand for you Paul know, Koharski. I would, I would have him no other way than to come in here for two minutes and sideswipe <laughs> yes. everybody. So we were in the midst of talking about the Tennessee Titans' competitive advantage. Uh, Kiss thinks they're paper tigers and Derrick Henry's a fraud. Go ahead. Oh, boy, you really set that one up nice. Okay, so let, let, let's just try to unpack this for a second. So w- when, you, when you look at you know the 3-0 and teams around the league – I look at the Titans as probably the worst 3-0 and team of the bunch. Granted, they're the worst of a best thing. So understand what I'm worst trying to say Worst than Chicago. Here. Oh, Chicago is my, 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 my other two. So I had two okay. teams, the Chicago and the Titans. Chicago's worst. Thank you, Hutton, for that sake. Okay. Because, oh, my God. Trubisky <laughs> and Foles are not going to be the, the, the answers there. Send so, it into the sun. 
Yeah, Chicago first. Titans are the next. I think there's a there's a drop off over that. Uh, it, the Titans can play with anybody, right? They they feel like a two and one team. That's going to sound like an insult, but average out two and one over the life of a season, you're looking at a pretty good you know tier two competitive football team that can play with anybody. That can play with anybody. The problem is they play with literally anybody. All three of their wins come in one-score games. They need a 55-yard field goal to beat the Minnesota Vikings, who ha- haven't done anything this year. Uh, and part of it's because of their philosophy. They want to pound the rock. We can talk about that later. But when I look at them, the, the one-score games and the way that they do them is not sustainable to, to just keep rolling through like that. And when they come up against teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers, and even before this whole COVID thing came, came around, I thought that was going to be a real litmus test for them. And you come up against teams like the Buffalo Bills that are, that are up and coming, and I've been one of the biggest Josh Allen critics in the universe, but he is absolutely balling this year and putting himself in the MVP discussion. When you come against those two teams – I think that's really going to come to bite you. And I don't think you can continue to win these one-score games sustainably. As far as as Derrick Henry goes, this is probably one of the the least efficient running backs in the league right now. And, yeah, like player talent for sure. But, like, if you watch James Robinson play the Titans versus Derrick Henry playing the Jaguars, you watch them on the same field. Give me an honest answer from both of you guys. Who looked like the better running back that day? Robinson. Okay. Robinson was the, the better running back uh, throughout that game. Okay. So uh, you, you both agree there that uh, Henry is not playing at the level in which he was playing last year. And there's two examples of inefficiency and high volume for the Titans that point directly to the running back. Uh, first, Next Gen has a new tracking stat rushing yards over expected. So, for instance, a guy that's he getting sticks mo- at that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Right. So, for instance, uh, uh, with their play, player tracking, they suggest how many yards a running back should get on a certain run. So you take a guy like Nick Chubb. He's getting two more yards per carry than expected. Derrick Henry is getting half a yard less. Football Outsiders has adjusted line yards, which also takes into account offensive line play in the running game. They're averaging 4.6 adjusted yard line, uh, line yards. Top 10 in the league. They're averaging 3.9 yards actual. Bottom 10. Right, Those averages should be flipped. They should be getting more, especially with a contract like Henry. Those numbers suggest that Derrick Henry is getting less than what's being schemed and what's being blocked for him. What about yards after contact? And maybe it's unfair to use Chubb here, but he's at 4.25 yards after contact per attempt. Henry is at the bottom of the league with 2.6. He's not efficient this year. He's not as good this year. And if you want to make the argument that you need to ride Henry to the playoffs and play in these one-score games, you're just telling me you want to beat up a guy for no reason only to be more inefficient than you could be if you went with a pass-heavy offense with Ryan Tannehill, who is winning these games for the Titans. It is not Derrick Henry. You went to 2-0. and Derrick Henry had 3.6 yards per carry, had a, long of four, had a long of 15, I think, with 14 total receiving yards, and you're going to tell me Derrick Henry won that game? Because he had what twenty five carries? Come on, it's hundred yards. They're fifteen and zero. Hutton rebuttal. Well, I, I I can't sit there and rattle off the numbers. What I can tell you, Michael, is Henry normally is not very good in September. Uh, even last year, when all the praise was getting done for him around Thanksgiving, he really picked up. He picked up the pace. Week ten against Kansas City. Yeah. That's when things picked up for him, and then the tear was on. And we know Ryan Tannehill wasn't winning them games in the postseason. It was Derrick Henry that they that carried them to playoff wins and was the game plan. I still think Henry's doing enough at times to keep drives alive early. He has not been uh, – I'm with you on he has not been, you know, the better back in some of these games. Mm. Um, but I, I do think they are running the football enough to get their offense going. He, he has had some – so – but correct me if I'm wrong here. So the, the the Vikings go up by 12 after the 71-yard touchdown to to Jefferson. And Vikings are up double digits, and they come back and feed Derrick Henry on a drive that gets down the field, and eventually they go play action across the middle to Janu. Um, and the rest of it was a Derrick Henry possession where they go down and score. So they're still sticking with the foundation pieces of their offense. Mm-hmm despite being down double digits. I don't see many backs across the league getting carries in those situations. Henry does. And most of the time, it happened in the Jacksonville game. Huh. Most of the time, they, they are able to sustain drives and keep drives alive, not necessarily with a big explosive run that we're going to see from Dalvin Cook, 
but a chain mover that allows a play action game to to pick up pick up the pace a bit for for Tannehill. I guess if I'm if I'm looking for for somewhere in the middle because what what we know that it's it's not been efficient as a running uh, as a running game they have not been efficient they he played better and they were they were running better with him in Minnesota but that's something that Mike Vrabel has talked to us about and Arthur Smith has talked to us about they're trying to get more out of their run game presently to Hutton's point though this is like Derrick Henry's this is the book on Derrick Henry it takes a while for him to get going. And I don't necessarily know why that is like it's inexplicable to me other than he's just trying to feel his way out. Uh, what I will say to you kissed and you can vamp off this is that if they're surviving the inefficiency, the inefficient Derrick Henry now, I don't know that you can necessarily bank on him being playoff Derrick Henry late season, Derrick Henry year after year. But that's kind of the way that I'm approaching this. Okay, teams are obviously trying to stop him. Minnesota played them differently than Jacksonville and Denver did. They were not trying to run blitz the holy hell out of Derrick Henry (laughs) the way the first two defenses were. But if they're surviving the inefficient inefficient running game now, are you okay with it in the long run if that's their model for success? I don't mind them using it selectively. I don't mind them using against uh, using it against Minnesota, who has one of the one of the like the bottom rushing defenses in the league. I think you can absolutely take over certain teams that way. So I'm not saying never have 25 carries with Derrick Henry. I'm not saying that Derrick Henry can't get hot. Uh, what I am saying is there are certain defenses, there are certain situations where it's absolutely optimal to be a more pass heavy offense, and that's kind of what is is getting the, the Titans in these traps. And also I, I think you're wearing down Derrick Henry needlessly. Like, yeah, last year he got hot at the end of the season. Hey, he had a ton of carries like credit to him. That's a tough slog of a season for him. That's a lot of carries to rack up and still, you know, come out and, and have on your Sunday best during the playoffs. How long does that continue when you continue to give this guy 25 carries? And we've yeah, seen now it. that I, I agree with that question uh, because 82 carries I mean, he was 12 carries ahead of Ezekiel Elliott going into week three <laughs> as, the, as the leader in, in backs touching the football. Um, I mean, that he's, he's getting a ton of reps uh, out of the backfield. And part of that is due to Darrington Evans being inactive for the first two weeks. We finally saw him in week three. I don't know how much more Evans is going to get involved immediately, but it's got to come sooner or later because that, that carry toll, to your point, uh, that's the difference in the slow start in past year's buck to this year is in past years we're asking why isn't Henry getting the football more right there was a game early in the season uh no, I take that back it was week nine last year where he had five carries against the Carolina Panthers and they end up losing that game uh and that was in the first half five carries in the first half against that's the Pan- when things the- really started to turn on its head for Arthur Smith the second half of that yeah. loss but but now we're seeing you know five carries on the opening possession for Derrick Henry <laughs> right. in some of these games. So it's uh, that that's something to follow. But the, a, a Titans team that has been porous on defense, giving up a ton of yards and points this year, mm. and and uh, a, a, a Henry who we expect to get better, not worse. I like the fact that they're three and zero playing these tight contested games and are actually coming out on the winning end of that. Uh, and you can talk about opponents. The Steelers are three and zero, and their 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 opponents, you know, have combined what no wins on the season. Um, I think Pittsburgh's a really good team, despite playing a fairly easy schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's just nature of the league—the one possession, one score games late. Yeah, it's it. I mean, and Vrabel's talked about this. Like they're gonna they're gonna be on the losing end of one of these games at some point if they continue to live this way. Like it's it's just too it's just too stressful of an existence for them for it not to bite them in the ass at some point. Yeah. Um. With with Derrick Henry, and we can move on from there because I do think there are other reasons why they're suspect, and we'll touch on the defense and Jadavion Clowney and the secondary. Mike brought up Justin Jefferson, who just. Uh, you know, I saw the joke made on Twitter yesterday. I wish I could give proper credit, but I can't remember who said it. No chance that man's catching Rona because there was no Titans within six to ten feet of him. <laughs> One thousand percent. Like that was yeah. that was an abomination. Um, and you know, you don't know how much how much Mike Vrabel calling the defense has to do with it. But before I get distracted, um, the Derrick Henry usage thing. I don't know. I guess 
I guess I want to I want to know I want to know more about why they're doing it. Whether it's Arthur Smith carrying over what he learned last year, understanding that this offense works at its best when you when you have the defense focused centrally on Derrick Henry and you can play play action bomb down the field off the attention paid to the running back, or if they're trying to justify the contract that they gave to him, which in perspective of the of the rest of the running backs in the league still looks pretty modest for guys on a second deal but also it looks modest for guys on a second deal because of how how singular his skill set is you talk about the lack of receiving when Derrick Henry is being thrown to and he does that weird little jump hop thing uh where he where it's not necessary where he just needs to focus on the catch and he has moments where he tries to do too much I guess I want to understand more about why their philosophy so far through three games is what it is. And we just really, you know, they're not going to tell us. That yeah, we're going to give it to him 25 times a game because he's getting paid $12.5 million a year. I actually, you guys work in their media. Has anyone asked, like, Vrabel directly, has anybody given him the stat? Like, and I don't know the exact number, but, like, the Titans are 12-0 and when Derrick Henry has 25 carries or more. How much does that impact your game? Has anybody asked him something like that to try to get – like Brian Schottenheimer of Seattle has this magic number of 53 that includes how many runs and plays you're supposed to have and first downs and all this stuff. Does Vrabel have anything like that? Have they asked him that? We have. Um, and he like he is aware that they are 15-0 and when Derrick Henry gets over 100 yards. Uh, he thinks – he laughed at it and said, you know, we're just trying to do whatever works on a week-to-week okay. basis. And I do take him at his word at that because, you know, the Derrick Henry thing is tried and true for them, and they're going to stick with what they know. Like, they know that that's their bread and butter. But also, like, Mike Vrabel then starts making jokes about, well, who's got the, who's got the carries record? Like, how many more times could we give it to Derrick Henry before he gets the carries record? And then he's fact-checking – uh, sleepy-eyed Joe Rexrode on his math and all of these <laughs> things. Uh, where and Joe and Rexrode ended up getting it wrong. But like, I think I think Vrabel like Vrabel doesn't have a set number that he's trying to hit. Uh, I think that he recognizes that it's worked for them to this point. So keep doing it until they are given reason that it doesn't work for them. He's not paying. It's just their offense. It's just their offense. He he has almost the same amount of carries when the Titans trail in a game compared to when the Titans have a lead. I mean, (laughs) they're giving it to him uh, because if he's not the best player on the field, if you want to argue that Tannehill's more important, he's the second best player on the field, especially with A.J. Brown not available in the passing game. So I would want the ball in his hands as much as possible, especially if you feel like, you can you can run your game plan and stick with it, which they are bound and determined to do, no matter what the score is and what the separation is between the two teams. No why matter how it, much why, Michael Kist hates it. Why yeah. doesn't Tennessee love Ryan Tannehill as much as Derrick Henry? Because Ryan Tannehill has just as much to do with everything. And I understand the playoff games last year kind of play into it. Ryan Tannehill won these first first three games oh, more yeah. than anybody else, right? The poise and the confidence, I think, in him is uh, is vastly different than what they had in in Mariota. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, when he, I mean, it, this past week in Minnesota is a great example. I don't know if Buck agrees. And guess you were watching the game. You, you've seen the Cousins had the football late with a minute and forty to go. I didn't think as as crazy as this sounds, and as easy as they made it look throughout that game. I didn't think Kirk Cousins was driving their offense down the field to get a score. I really didn't as I sat there and, and watched this. Um, but Tannehill, when he takes the field and he has a chance to go get points to take the lead late, the expectation is that's going to happen. Mm. There's just a different confidence level with him than, than past QBs within this, this Titans offense. And a lot of that, um, you know, even when Henry's having success, it's Tannehill getting them into the right play that's setting up Henry for the success up front with the yeah. protections. He does a great job in all of that. It's night and day, to Hutton's point, for me, about how you feel about them in these late-game situations or when they need to set up a game-winning field goal for Gostowski. Or, you know, I mean, their red zone offense has been tops in football. Yeah. Like, they have been fantastic yeah. to the point now where, I, I, I mean, Kist, I've talked to you about this before. I have, I have hated watching them for so long, for so long. And now they finally have an offense that scores 30 points a game and it's football porn and I can't get enough. Yeah. Like, I'm sitting here, like, I, I, they, whatever, they, whatever they look like on a week-to-week basis, like, thank the football gods that they're an entertaining team. Yeah. 
now. Yeah. Like the entertainment value is at a premium. And they, yeah, they're flawed, which is great for, for great for people in our business because you got an undefeated football team, but you can still pick at them mm. a little bit in a way that allows you to, you know, f- fill your week with analysis and things of that nature. But yeah, I'm, I, I, think, I think on the strength of, of Jeffrey Simmons <laughs> in that last drive for the Vikings and, and Kist, I'll set you up for him here in just a second. I think that the way that you see that you saw that defense kind of pick up a little bit at the end of the game where Clowney looks like he's got a little more umph to him and Simmons yeah, finally. Is, yeah well it, that's that's an issue unto itself and Simmons is has been doing what he's been doing you know three weeks in a row right now which is just disrupting people picking up Garrett Bradbury and throwing him into a quarterback like that's that's insanity for them but also it makes you feel more confident even though they're winning these three games by a combined six points. It's not perfect. There are issues. But I think you feel better about them than not, especially based on the track record. And, and, and to your point about, like, why, why people here seem to gravitate more towards Derrick Henry than Tannehill, I, Hutton probably speak better to, the, better to this than me. I think, I think that's as much as, as historically, you know, they love their running back here. It's Eddie George. It's Derrick Henry. It's, it's ground yeah. and pound. And, and maybe I'm off base. On that, but I I don't think I've been here long enough to be able to draw that connection. That just kind of seems to be the vibe that I get. He's SEC. He's you know he's big, powerful, superhuman running back. And Ryan Tannehill well, is is there is there offense at this point? It's back. also just recency bias here because we're coming off of a playoff run where we saw twenty two carry the brunt of the load for the offense, right? Mm-hmm. But last year's regular season, the argument was being made: okay, who's the MVP of the offense? Is it Henry or is it Tannehill? Because Henry wasn't putting up these numbers prior to Tannehill getting into the game. Right. And that argument was being made right here in, in Nashville on Tannehill's behalf. So I think most of it is based off of the success that we've recently seen out of the run game. And in some cases, the limited amount of uh, passes attempted by Tannehill in these game plans in the postseason. Uh, let's talk about Jeffrey Simmons. We talked. We we touched a little bit on the defense. I still have Jonathan uh, Joseph smoke that I want to throw at this. this. Oh, I got to hear this. I have no idea what you're talking about with the oh. Jonathan Joseph smoke. Oh my God! Just so. Just what is the purpose? What is the purpose? Get off the football field. You are you are 800 <laughs> years old. You are terrible. And and by the way, he Jonathan Joseph pulls himself out of these games, like he subs himself out. I, I don't know, and I don't know what the reason of that is, but that's like a thing that happens to this defense that throws them out of whack in a way that, you know, the other options are Chris Jackson, not this most recent game, obviously, but a seventh-round rookie where the where the veteran, the 36-year-old veteran's coming off the field and said, hey, you know, I need, 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 I don't know if it's a breather or whatever it is, but how can you how can you function as a cohesive unit when you have veteran players who are supposed to represent leadership for your football team, if it's not Logan Ryan, you had to replace it with somebody. Jonathan Joseph is Mike Brabel's guy. How the hell can you justify that to me and also suck at football? Like, that's just where I'm sitting with Jonathan Joseph, and I don't know how to make it right. I can't. I mean, Deshaun Jackson in Philadelphia, he's getting a little long in the tooth, and he's been banged up, and he comes in and out of games all the time. Jason Peters comes in and out of games all the time. Like, the guy played the league 15 years, Buck. Give him, oh, give him a, no, give him I'm a not, break. No, stay the hell out there or don't take the contract. <laughs> no, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm taking the money all day, man. That's a, that's, yeah. a, that's a personal choice. Hit my bank account as much as you want. You want to put me on the field? Cool. But I'm going to tell you when I, I'm, I'm gassed. Yeah. I mean, the guy has no juice. I think we understand that. None. He shouldn't be out there on the field. He can't run with anybody. Like, we, we get that. The Titans should realize that. They may not have many options behind him, but you got to see if these young guys can fly because the old man sure can't. Okay, uh, Jeff, I, I've, 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 I've had my therapy session about Jonathan Joseph. Tell me why you love Jeffrey Simmons so much, other than what we're obviously seeing on Sundays. Okay, so I, I've seen a lot of draft prospects uh, discussed as potential the next Fletcher Cox, right? And, and none, of them, none of them jive with me. I mean, it's been like eight years of this crap, right? The, the fellow Mississippi State Bulldog, Jeffrey Simmons, when I watch him, if anybody reminds me of Fletcher Cox, the, the, the freakish athleticism, the, the, the power that he has, like the only thing he hasn't really developed yet is, is like the, the club swim that just knocks you into the next state. But even that's like coming along for Simmons, right? Yeah. He's got the power in his rushes. He's good against the run. He's great against the pass. He had seven pressures last week. He took over that last drive, just dumped a guy. That was a stupid penalty to hit the helmet or whatever. That, that's, that should have counted. But 
Simmons just completely took over that game. He was taken on double teams. And the beautiful thing about Clowney, as, as much as you guys like may criticize him, and I get like he wasn't all that, and I thought he played much better in, the, in this game three, uh, the, the, the presence of Clowney allows Simmons to get one-on-one matchups more than he normally would. And Simmons is dominating those matchups. And you see a similar thing happening with DeForest Buckner with the Indianapolis Colts. They scheme him up. They go, you know, three right to center and Buckner's in the middle. You know you can't double team him. He's dominating that matchup. That's the, that's the level of play that Simmons is giving you. If you give him one-on-one, he is winning. So in my opinion, like this guy already, and, and understand this is a first-round pick, 19th overall, who tore his ACL preparing for the draft, the talent, was absolutely always there. This shouldn't be a shock to anybody other than the fact that he's recovered so well so quickly and is dominating so early in his playing time in the league. This guy, in my opinion, has the absolute potential to be an elite player in the NFL. Uh, and it's going to be a centerpiece of that defense for years to come. I am in love with his play. Like, I, I hate watching boring, fat nose tackles just eat up space and never do anything against the pass. Simmons is tearing guys up, and he's doing it at will. And uh, the, the crazy thing, bad. Buck, is the speed. Yeah, the speed of Jeffrey Simmons at his size and the athleticism. Like, we can watch him disrupt that center guard triangle all day, and that's fun to watch. But when a quarterback dumps off a little screen to a running back and you watch Simmons turn and run and catch up with these guys, maybe not every tackle he's making in these plays, but when you see him actually catch catch up with him after giving the back a head start that is crazy to me to see because that's that's the example of the top five talent that he possessed prior to the ACL tear Mm -hmm. and and the reason why everyone thought it was just a player they couldn't pass up on whenever he fell to 19 overall Um, and you you realize why he would have been a top 10 top five talent uh, not just in the year they drafted him, but even this year. Like, it just uh, the athleticism alone is something that you want to coach. And it, it's crazy to watch him do it at the NFL level. We were seeing it at the college level, but it translates. Yep. So I guess that's, that's how I'm, I'm, I'm being comforted, I guess, if you want to call it that, by what Jadavion Clowney may or may not be doing statistically for exactly the reasons that Kiss just laid out. He allows for at least one other player, whether that be Simmons, and we see Simmons win one-on-one regularly, whether that be Landry, we'll see how much Beasley actually has to him. Uh, these were This was a very, very small sample size of him on Sunday, but I think all of that is kind of working towards the focus. Now, $15 million is a lot of, a lot of money to pay somebody to just free up other guys. But if it ends up working to your advantage the way that it does, Hut, does it make you feel better about what we're seeing from Clowney thus far? I mean, so whenever he signed, and before he was signed, the discussion was, okay, he's not this guy that's going to come in and get double-digit sacks. Uh, But he is a disruptor. That was the word, Kiss, was disruptive player Mm -hmm. that's going to allow players around him to flourish. And, you know, we saw glimpses of that and, and, and steady play of that whenever he was healthy in Houston. Um, Seattle tried to get him back. Uh, they didn't want him at the right price point for him, but they tried to get him back. And there were other teams involved, too, that wanted him this year. Um, I, I think for me, Buck, I'm sitting here going, okay, there are plays where I see Clowney as a disruptive force. Where are the players around him that are now taking advantage of that? Landry is allowed to get off to a hot start with Simmons and and Clowney on the defensive front. And if you're not going to, and we haven't seen Beasley here, but if you're not going to include Beasley, just include the the front as a whole. Who are the guys that are benefiting from Clowney's play instead of just saying, okay, let me see the stat sheet and see what Jadavian Clowney did today. I, I need to see other players rise to the occasion of the offensive fronts having to adjust to where Clowney's lining up on play-to-play and the disruptive force that Simmons has been. It's time for others to raise their game a bit because of what they've brought in through free agency. And a part of that, Kiss, before I set you up here, there's a fair amount of – and I I don't know how much you're seeing of this on film. I don't know how much I notice it when I watch it back, but my eye is is untrained when it comes to these matters. That's why we have experts that have NFL in their Twitter well, handle. Kissed. Yeah. Uh, so he, he freelances a lot. Clowney freelances a lot. And I asked Mike Vrabel about this, what would that have been, Monday, 
Uh, and he said he would prefer not to use the term freelance, but that if their players are in a position to make a play, he would hope that they do something to make a play as long as it's to the benefit of the football team. Mm-hmm. So far, I have it. I, there are moments with Clowney, right? You see moments. And that's kind of been the, the book on him throughout the why, – why people weren't rushing to, rushing to pay him the kind of money that he wanted because it's moments rather than consistent, consistent ability to affect – these plays when you watch them on film are you seeing that kind of variance does that disrupt the ability for other players to have the kind of effect that Hutton is talking about them needing to have I think that I think that's going to get better right those calculated risks as he gets more acclimated with what the what the defense is what other guys are doing on the defense and where he can take them and how how that affects the other people Um, I also think that the, the Titans need to embrace this a little bit more this this disruptive shooting gap style that Clowney likes to run. Clowney is thought of as like an edge rusher as a pass rusher. Clowney is not a very good edge rusher. That's not where his pass rush juice comes from. He wants to work inside. He wants to shoot inside people. That's where he is at his best. And we saw a lot of it in Houston. They would line him up at inside linebacker and let him go shoot gaps and go make a play. That's where he's at his most eye-popping. I haven't seen enough of that with the Titans, and maybe they'll incorporate more of that as things go along. I'm personally missing Dean Pease. I know you guys are as well. I love him as a defensive coordinator. I thought he been, would have been really creative with Clowney. But I think that is something that you will see more of and come along more of. You'll see less you know, rushes from the edge. You'll see less creative plays maybe on his, uh, on his part that end up breaking up what, what the defense is trying to do as a whole. And I think you'll see him start to shoot gaps at an inside backer position more and just utilize what he is, embrace what he is. And he's not a traditional end. He's just a guy that you throw in there to just jack stuff up and mess stuff up. And I think that'll come along. And I, and I think he's being unf- uh, unfairly criticized to an extent. I mean, the guy still leads the team in pressures with 12. I think he still is being disrupted, but you're right. It's You want to see more consistency out of Clowney, but we've always wanted to see more consistency out of Clowney. So I'm not, you know, what are we really expecting? Well, and, and my thing is, you know, don't, don't box score scout him. Like right, right, right. The, the disruption that we're, that we're talking about, they lead right. the league in, in turnover differential right now. And he's, I think, a part of that. You saw the Jonathan Joseph interception, and maybe he cost them a touchdown on the play because he had the blindside block that Mike Brable said was the right call to make, and they got to know better than that. But ultimately, that is helping them create these turnover opportunities. I think he's a big part of that. People, you know, you're going to have these kind of, this kind of single, single, singular focus on a guy like this when the expectations are what they are for a team that paper tiger or not the expectation here i mean seriously like they should be they we we here certainly based on the the body of work and the building that they have done they absolutely should be competitive uh for a super bowl this year they absolutely should be among the teams considered to be competitive for a super bowl so you're gonna have this hyper focus on this dude anyway and i think people are just going about it the the wrong way when you look at the entire scope of the defense and what he is doing to help the entire scope of the defense, rather than just focusing on what he is doing individually. I think that's the biggest flaw. Yeah, sack, sacks in the box score. Yeah, that, that, that's going to be the biggest battle that you're ever going to have to face with anybody. You're, sometimes you're just never going to change somebody's mind on the fact that that's not the most important thing. If you're getting consistent pressure, if you're being disruptive in the, in the, in the run game, if you're helping create turnovers, I'll give you yards all day. Give me turnovers as the stat. That's what I want to know. How often are you putting my offense in a position to go score some points? Uh, I think Clowney allows you to do that. And like I said, he, free, he frees up Simmons. So people should chill out and be a little patient with this guy. I think. Hey, but there, there were some third and longs against Jacksonville where a sack would oh. have felt like a turnover. Would have been nice. Yeah, that's true. And oh, I mean, they God. could get to him. That's true. That's true. I think I think it's something like eighty three percent of drives end when they have a sack contained within them in the first or second down, and then of course third down basically is like a is like a turnover there. So so you're right. You want to see that, uh, but I think the underlying stuff is just fine with Clowney right now. I mean, he had he had one rep in the run game. I don't know if you guys saw this. He did a push pull maneuver on, oh, on yeah. Dozer and like slingshotted himself into the backfield. Like that's the types of uh, wow plays you're getting with Clowney that you need to like appreciate when they happen. God, that, that, what an unfortunate position to be that running back in that particular <laughs> situation. Just have Jadavion Clowney slingshot into you for a tackle for loss. <laughs> uh, let's, let's put a bow on it this way because uh, Kaharski, as we sit here, has just tweeted out that the CBS crew has been informed uh, that the game between the Steelers and Titans will be likely on Monday. So at least we have a little more 
information as it regards that. Kist, uh, you have had a hard-on for Christian Fulton ever since the draft. Are you seeing enough progress from him thus far through – because he's got, you know, he's got live game reps now, and their secondary is suspect, but I think he's getting a little better to the naked eye. What have you made of him so far? I mean, he's better than, than Malcolm Butler because Butler's getting touched My guy. <laughs> <laughs> My guy, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like the first turnover that he had, like that was kind of a gift, but I thought he played it well and put himself in a position to, to intercept the tip ball. I thought the, the blitz from him on, on the sack was really nice, and I know it was schemed up to get him through clean, but he did a good job of diagnosing where the space was going to be, running through it, and then finishing the tackle as well. Uh, overall, I, I think he's been kind of what I expected, which is like not spectacular. Uh, also, I don't think he's been a, been a detriment. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but solid start for the second rounder, a guy I wanted the Eagles to draft, and I'm, I'm not at all bitter about it at all. How not do you think he, he's, he's living up to what they need? <laughs> not at I all mean, bitter about it. it. Yes and no. I mean, the guy has a forced fumble and a, an interception, so it's, it's tough to argue with the impact he's had in, in certain games, Buck, but I mean – I expect him to start over a seventh-round pick, you know. And with Chris Jackson's healthy, that's not the case. So do you do you accept the the missed time as a viable excuse that Brable was giving us? Yeah, like so. I'm 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 accepting of that out of September. Like, but no, we, we yeah. need to. There are some <laughs> things that need to eventually. Like, there's no question. Fulton needs to be in the lineup ahead of Chris Jackson. That's just. The expectations there, you wanted more speed in the slot. There's a nuance to the position. The discussion about drafting him and having him go to the second round instead of taking him in the first. Like, there was, there were legitimate people upset that the Titans passed on Christian Fulton in the first round. Mm. Um, well, and, he ends up, and in I retrospect mean, now. <laughs> but uh, you can, in retrospect, you can say right. it, it, they should have gone with someone else in the first round altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they still get him in the second. And I, I don't know. I, I thought he would have had the biggest impact among the rookies. And while you can still say he's right there because of injuries to Darrington Evans and Isaiah Wilson being Isaiah Wilson, <laughs> there's still a part of his play that leaves me wanting more. There's also a nuance of his position he's got to learn that doesn't come in one or two games. Like, it, 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 this is a gradual build. I like what I've seen so far, but I, I still feel, like, very unsatisfied with, with what I've the, – the overall big picture. And Malcolm Butler, for as bad as he looks on certain plays, the guy saved a touchdown twice Two. on a possession. Yeah. That's true. So, like, I, I appreciate the fact that he's not Jonathan Joseph taking himself <laughs> out of a game that he goes in rep after rep and fights and scraps. And, and if he has a Dory Jackson opposite him, that's prime Titans secondary play. Can I, can I just give you one example? I want yeah. you to look at Tampa no. Bay. No, you, no, you no. absolutely may not. Carlton Which, Davis, okay. 2018 second-round pick, 63rd overall. Carlton Davis, the outside quarterback for Tampa Bay. Meh, first year, real meh. They got one of the best young quarterback duos in Tampa Bay in the league right now he is absolutely balling so cornerback is a position that takes time with that said get the Agreed. hall of fame bust ready for christian fulton stop hating on <laughs> well i know i'm not i'm, I'm not I, 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 I know i know i i just think it's uh, overall like it, he's been more. fine he's been yeah, fine yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, yeah. I do feel like there's a lot more there for expectations for him oh for sure yeah we're, yeah we're, we're far away from saying like this is a successful pick for them yeah, it's, it's the 2020 Titans. I, I like what I've seen so far, but I just thought I'd get a little bit more. That's how. That's three games through the season. That's where we feel like yeah. we're at. Yeah. That's not how I feel about our guest co-host today, Jonathan Hutton of the Midday 180 Titans Radio on 104.5 The Zone, Michael Kist of the SB Nation Football Show, and of course BGN Radio at Michael Kist nfl boys it uh it was fun i'm glad we got a chance to do this i'm glad that kaharski got a knife uh knife in my side that i'm gonna keep pulling out for the rest of this podcast but uh but thank you absolutely thank you. great to be on kiss good to see you as well good to see you Hutt. could i have cursed this whole time because i think i missed my opportunity to curse like like i wanted to, every time i'm with you buck i drop like 17 f-bombs you didn't tell me you didn't give me the green light coming into this one yeah this could have been <laughs> oh, I missed my opportunity. We'll get him next time, Buck. Shout out to Michael Kist and Jonathan Hutton for a great conversation, a good conversation. Hopefully you learned a little something. And shout out to Paul Kaharski for popping in the Zoom 
at any given moment. The Chief just can't help but hang out here on the 615 Sessions. Before we put a bow on this show, i got to tell you about the people who present the Zoom line around here. That is our friends at Tame the Beast. They provide to you the promo code BEAST2020 for 20% off all of their great grooming products at GetBeast.com. A variety of products available to you, like the Extreme Yop Beard, Hair, and Body Wash All-in-One Energizing Cleanser that delivers a tingle thanks to eucalyptus and menthol ingredients. It's a kick. I, I can personally attest I have all of this stuff in my bathroom, in my shower. All my toiletries are Beast brand. And it is, uh, it is, it is a, it's like having a cup of coffee in the shower, except it's coming through your skull. I don't know how to describe it. All I can say to you is you got to try it at least once. And you can save a little money by doing so with that promo code BEAST2020 at getbeast.com. Uh, that's going to do it for us today because we, we thought about doing the mailbag, but all the mailbag were about the, was about the COVID questions, the, the uncertainty ahead. And honestly, with the way that the podcast's shelf life is, I really didn't want to do you guys a disservice of sitting here answering a bunch of questions and then the information change in an hour by the time this podcast airs. Like, I really didn't think that did anybody any good. So we're punting on the mailbag this week. You can always get in with your questions to the mailbag by sliding in my DMs at Buck Rising on Instagram. Whatever your comment, question, or concern, as long as you are, uh, you know, you, actually, you don't even have to be that gentle with me. Just slide on in the DMs, leave a question, and we'll get to it on the pod. Shouts to Kist and Hutton for stopping by. Shouts to our friends at Two Rivers Ford and Tame the Beast. Support the people who support this show. Shouts to you guys who subscribe, rate, and review to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network, where you have all kinds of great content to you coming four days a week during the football season. Big Orange Podcast, Tighten Up Podcast, Me Twice a Week. We got it all for you here on the podcast feed. So in the meantime, I need you to stay safe. More than ever, I need you to stay clean. And of course, I need you to stay hot, Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions Podcast, powered by our friends at Two Rivers Ford. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. <laughs>